Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Hey everybody, welcome to Show Your Scars podcast. I'm Jordan Angeli. It's so nice to be chatting with you about something that I feel like is really useful and relatable and helpful. This week we have Abby Gordon on the podcast. She is going to talk to us through 10 questions to ask a physical therapist before you decide if you're going to use them as your PT during this ACL process. I feel like that's really useful and something that I... Honestly, I'm shocked that I haven't done this before. So it was a really fun conversation to have with Abby. She works in the Seattle area in a couple of different ways, and she'll get into that in the podcast. I'm excited for you guys to hear this, and I hope you enjoy this very useful episode. Before we hop into today's episode, I want to let you guys know about Juice Plus. Juice Plus is a blend of fruits and vegetables that have been dehydrated and encapsulized. What helps with Juice Plus is you are getting over 30 fruits and vegetables in one single serving. And that is more that you can get every single day. It is so hard to not just get the amount of fruits and vegetables you should get every single day, but to get 30 different ones every day is near impossible. Juice Plus helped me significantly in my injury recovery, and I know that it can help you with yours. It reduces inflammation, it helps on the cellular level, and it is so beneficial to add something so nutritious to your everyday routine. So if you have more questions about Juice Plus, you can go to jangeli.juiceplus.com, or you can look for the link in the show notes. I have it linked there. All right, on to the episode. Abby, thanks for joining me. I'm excited to chat with you. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I One of the things I love about this community is there's so many ways we can get in contact with each other. And I think you learned about me through ACL Study Day. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and then um, reached out via email and we've been chatting about... Um, all different sorts of things, but, uh, I, I love that there's a connection here and you're a physical therapist. You are in Seattle. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit more about yourself before we kind of dive into what we're really going to talk about today? Yeah, sure. Um, hey everyone, Abby Gordon, sports physical therapist at Seattle Children's Hospital. Um, I also am the team physical therapist for the Seattle Storm. So my uh, usual patient population is um, between about age six till the oldest Storm player. And um, I see a lot of sports related injuries. Yeah. Uh, you told me the last time, age six through whatever age Sue Bird is. <laughs> <laughs> hope she didn't hear I said that. <laughs> uh, but I feel like it's awesome because it's showing it's showing that one, she is taking care of her body, right? And continuing to play at a high level. Um, and showing a lot of people that you can still play as yeah, you get older. Timeless. So, yeah, she is. I feel like it's a compliment. Um, so one of the things that you reached out to me, and we've been discussing everything from PT stuff to 
um, the process, the, the recovery course that I have with the ACL club. One of the things, Abby, that we talked about that I think is really important is like how in the world, when you enter this process that is so unknown, do you choose a physical therapist? And that was, I think, a concern you came to me with saying like, there's so many challenges about this. Can we simplify this and give people some more help as to like, here's some good ideas to pick somebody that will help you in this process? Yeah, I think people forget that physical therapy and all of healthcare is a service. So, you know, if you needed a plumber to fix your toilet and they came late or you didn't like the work they were doing or, you know, they, they track mud all over your house, you can pick somebody different. And it's the same for healthcare. Like this is a long road. You're going to be with this person for about nine months. And if you come in on day one and you're like, you know, I don't think this is a good personality fit then you for sure have the opportunity to say, I need to be with somebody different and no physical therapist should take that personally. We have a whole concept about this. It's called therapeutic yeah. Alliance. We want to connect to our patients just as much as they should want to connect to us. And so if you don't like us, you should just pick somebody different and you can even ask them face to face. Hey, is there anyone else in your team who you recommend that I see? Yeah. Because I don't think this is a great fit and they should just say, yes, go see this other person. Wow. I did. I very much say this to a lot of people when I'm talking about the ACL recovery process is this, you get one life, you get one body. And hopefully if you have, if you have to do this rehab process, you only get, you only are having to do it one time. And so empowering people going through it to say like, if this doesn't feel right, it's okay. It might be an awkward conversation, but there's growth in that, right? Standing up for yourself and saying, okay, this isn't working. Not only is there growth in that, but you're also then giving yourself the freedom to choose who is helpful for you. On the flip side of things, it's nice hearing from you that that is actually just part of your, um, what you got, who you guys are as PTs, that, that you're supposed to be okay with that and you want to have that good relationship. So I think that takes a little pressure off the patient in, in a way yeah. to know that. I think it actually happens the other way too. There have been times in the clinic where a patient has been seeing me and I think either, I think somebody else could help you better. And it might yeah. not be that we're, it might not even be that they're going to use a different physical therapy approach. It might just be personality wise. Yeah. That, and, and it's not that I want to get rid of the patient. It's more, am I the best choice for the person in front of me? And yeah, that's, I'm not the best physical therapist on the planet. So I would never feel that way. And some, you know, like we all have different interests. I had mm -hmm. a really adorable, like 10 year old boy who only wanted to talk about Roblox and Minecraft. And I don't know anything about those. So then I'm like, you should see this physical therapist. He yeah. can talk to you, you know, like it's that easy when you want to talk about soccer and basketball. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, oh, I love that. That's such a good, like specific example. And so we took this idea and really you as a physical therapist, you did a lot of this heavy work and we're going to kind of bounce back and forth. We're going to give you guys, the listeners, 10 things to ask when looking for a physical therapy therapist going through ACL recovery. So, um, with that, Abby, let's just kick it off and say, number one, the first thing to do is ask your surgeon. Why, why would you ask your surgeon? Yeah. So, um, for us at my, at my hospital, Seattle children's hospital, we have a couple of surgeons and they do a lot of the same types of surgeries over and over again. Um, whereas in other places, 
you might have a surgeon who's a more generalized surgeon who does a lot of different surgeries and isn't maybe so focused on one thing. So for our surgeons who do a lot of them, they kind of have their own criteria for when people should be progressed. They have protocols and our in-house physical therapists collaborate with them directly all the time. Mm -hmm. So they know what it looks like when we rehab their surgical patients. But they also get an idea of a, like a wider network of the community physical therapists based on where people live. Can, you know, like I'm in one location. So there's PTs all over the greater Northwest and yeah. we do surgeries for those patients, but then they go closer to home. So you kind of want to find out from your surgeon, are there companies like PT companies or are there um, specific physical therapists that they've worked with, maybe more local to where you're going to do your rehab? Mm-hmm. Or are there places that they know have not had great successes in the past where they might want you to avoid? Yeah. Just because they they should have an idea of how well their surgical patients perform. They do check-ins, you know, every, right. at the beginning, it's kind of frequent. And then it weans down to like the, you know, the three, six, the nine month. And they probably want to know that their physical therapist is going to communicate with them if something's not going right. Yeah. And it's a good time too, as you were saying, they, they know the network, but they also know who's good at specific types of physical therapy. There might be someone who's just trying to get back to like living a normal life going to work, which is absolutely awesome. But that, that physical therapist who's good at that might not be good at put getting an athlete back to the basketball court or back to a high intensity sport. So I think as an, as an athlete, you also have to be honest with your surgeon when you're asking that question and say, Hey, this is my goal to get back to X. And then they can help connect those dots too. Um, the second thing, and this is, there's work in this, which I think we have to, acknowledge that as a patient, you're going to have to do a little bit of the work, but it's worth it is to ask and call those front desks of the clinics and get some more information from them about what the clinic is like. Yeah. I mean, at a bigger system like mine, if you called our front desk, they wouldn't know. And you'd potentially have to really get in contact with our team and just say, I really want to work with somebody who has done this before, Mm -hmm. but at smaller clinics, it should be really easy to reach a front desk person and say, this is what I'm going through. And I would really like to talk to the physical therapist or find out a little bit more about your facility and how much of this you see. I I wouldn't just call in and say, do you guys do rehab for ACLs? Every orthopedic clinic is going to (laughs) say we can, Yeah, but not all of us should. And I think that a lot of PTs, especially as a new grad, I, the clinic I worked at as a new grad, I was there for about three years. I saw three ACL tear patients in those three years. In three years? In three years. They're not a sports PT clinic. They're an orthopedic clinic. And those mm. often are listed as the same things, but we didn't have weights over 15 pounds in the clinic. We didn't have space for you to run other than on a treadmill. And I, I was a new grad PT and I was so excited because I did a lot of research on ACL injury in school and I was interested in it and I wanted to rehab it, but I probably should have had better mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know I studied a lot and I'm thankful that the kids who, who I did do the rehab for went back to their sports, yeah. but I didn't know to do testing on them at the end of their process. I didn't know that they should have waited more than six months. I was like, well, your knee looks good. You've got all your emotion and you're pretty strong. Go play football. That was not good. (laughs) 
So I think let's specifically say, so when you're calling, um, you can ask to set up, Hey, can I come in and check out your clinic and set up a meeting with who I would potentially be doing physical therapy with? That's a great thing to ask. Um, how many patients with ACL injury does a given physical therapist see at your clinic? So you could either ask to talk to the physical therapist directly, which probably would be more important or most important. But even in that initial call, someone at the front desk of a clinic, um, you know, I know I worked at the front desk of a clinic for a little while to help pay for, for some of the rehab I was (laughs) going through. Um, those are the things that we know and we recognize because we're checking people in and we're doing that type of thing. Um, so even asking how many patients they see, is there a range that you feel like if, if you mentioned you, you only saw three in three years, but yeah. what's, what's typically like if someone's good at ACLs, they're seeing how many, like a range yeah. a year. So I actually surveyed some friends on this topic because there's not research that says right. what that is, but the collective was at least five in a year because with nine months of rehab, if mm-hmm. you see, if you're seeing two of them in a year, they might overlap. Right. If you're seeing three of them in the year, you're definitely seeing more than one at a time. And you get the ability to develop those skills to analyze differences between them and understand challenges better because some ACL recoveries are just a lot less painful, a lot less stiff, a lot easier. And some are just not the same, yeah. especially if you have other surgeries with meniscus or, or other ligaments or your cor- posterior lateral corner. Like there's so many other things mm-hmm. depends on your graft type. So for me, I think it's probably a minimum of five in a year, which is a lot of yeah. ACL time when you consider nine months. And I don't know what the average is, maybe like 40 visits. Like that's yeah. a lot of ACL rehab or people who see a lot of post-surgical knees. So like my, I probably see about 10 ACLs in a year, but I also see the medial patellofemoral ligament, the MPFL reconstruction a lot. And when you combine those, they're very similar rehabs. Right. So then I'm looking at closer to like 20 patients like that a year. And it changes things compared to somebody who mostly does knee replacements, which are a much different approach. And they're a much simpler surgery because you don't have ligaments at a knee replacement. You have hardware, hardware. Right. So I, I think it's not, I think just having that knowledge. So asking that question and not saying, okay, if they have less than, or more than this, they're good or bad. But I think it just gives you a little bit idea how, how suited they are to handling maybe some questions or some, um, differences that you might present as an athlete to them. Um, and then the next question you have is, are you familiar asking your PT if they are familiar with the surgeon that you chose and their protocol for ACL post-op? Right. How how is that important? It it may, or it may not be important. It depends on your, your sport, your age, your level of activity. Um, because for, for certain people who aren't going to higher level sport, getting back to general function, it probably can be done by many, many ACL Mm -hmm. rehab people. But I think when we're talking specifically about like soccer and a cutting sport, um, it, it probably matters because the surgeon is the only one who was inside your knee seeing what the quality of your tissues was 
seeing what they had to repair versus reconstruct versus just remove, you know, like if you didn't, if you had a meniscus repair, you're going to be held back. But if you had just a meniscectomy where they removed a piece of it, they're going to let you go faster because it's, it's not really healing at that point. It's been removed. Mm -hmm. So just understanding the differences and knowing that your patient, your PT has your surgical report, what was done to you, and then either a way to communicate with your surgeon or, or the actual protocol of what they want you to do. My, my surgeon has something like 40 ACL protocols. So depending on which graft type you have, if there's other injuries alongside it, your protocol is very different. And when you leave his operating room, he hands you a copy and then tells the in-house PTs, which one it is. Right. Um, A lot of the time, one of the things that also happens with us is you might be going somewhere closer to home for your rehab, but they have you do your first visit with one of us where we give you our business card and we say, your PT is welcome to reach out. And I will tell you, none of the PTs reach out to us and that's okay, except for we would give them the protocol again, if they don't have it, we would give them what the criteria are that our surgeon wants to see for you to be able to return to sports so they can do some of that in the clinic. Mm. I also think it, you know, it shouldn't be the athlete's responsibility, but in a way, again, you have to feel empowered that this is your process. And if you are curious about your protocol and you, you want, say you, they went to a a place that has the variety of protocols, like you said, and you weren't, you working with those PTs, it's okay to ask and say, Hey, do you mind calling and getting this information? Or if that's, if that's too difficult, I can try to reach and access it for you. But I just want to make sure that I'm in line with what my, my, surgeon is doing, but there, there has to be some ownership there. And just because the PT didn't do it, doesn't mean they're good or bad. It, it, they might be busy. So we also, as athletes should take, um, some ownership of that. Um, there was something else I, Oh, the, the importance of having the ability, even if they don't know the protocol of the surgeon, having the ability to communicate with the surgeon, I think is important because after those check-ins that you have with the surgeon, just to update the PT, the PT, to be able to update the surgeon, it is nice to have that relationship, um, for, for those people to know each other. And it helps with references. You know, I think that's only, that's, that's a good, if you're asking that of your PT and then they're, they are challenged to talk to a surgeon that can only help them. Right. Because it shows the surgeon how active they are in the physical therapy process and getting this athlete better. Yeah. So, um, I think the most common question that I get as people are rehabbing from an ACL surgery is where am I in comparison to the timeline that is expected for me? Mm. So, you know, if you just Google how long after ACL surgery can I run, it's probably going to say 12 weeks, but if you had a meniscus repair, it's probably not 12 weeks. So that's why the protocol could be important for you, yes. but it might not be. Mm-hmm. And it just, because it says 12 weeks, your therapist shouldn't really be using like time-based progress. They should be using criteria based on what your leg looks like. So, mm-hmm. you know, if Perfect. you look at your protocol and it says running at 12 weeks, but for whatever reason, you had a really hard time getting started with walking. You may have to bump back a little bit and it's not really, while it might be exciting for you as the patient to be like, Ooh, I'm doing really well. And I started running at 10 weeks. That might not actually be best because that's when your ACL graft is 
not incorporated into your knee. Yeah. 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 That is such a good point. And I think, I mean, I could talk about expectations in this process for a whole podcast (laughs) and how it, it is so difficult to leave those behind and really focus on, okay, what am I doing right now to help me get to the next step? And it doesn't have to look like somebody else's. And, and I think that's what your next question is all about. Like your, your fifth question should be, how long should it take for me to get back to my sport? And this question is important because of those things that you just said that 10 weeks, the graft is not that, you know, it's at its weakest at certain points, you're more susceptible to re-injury than not. Why is this an important question for you to hear from a patient? Yeah, I think that I'm not sure how often surgeons tell athletes it's going to take you nine months to get back to your sport. And I think they probably all should be doing it, but I I think maybe they forget that they haven't done it at previous visits or Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not the priority. The priority is looking at you a little bit more like car parts of like, this is broken. I'm going to fix it instead of like what the full body and full picture is. Um, and so on day one, I usually sit down with people and look at the protocol and look at kind of a little bit of a timeline of like, your first goal is get off your crutches. And in order to do that, you need to be able to meet these criteria. Mm-hmm. And then we work on the next goal, which usually for most people is returning to running. And those, you need these criteria. Mm-hmm. And then we work on a little bit of sport related stuff. And then there's a lot of time that goes by. And then yeah. we start adding in <laughs> cutting and change of direction. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or this is like massive Very true. period of strengthening mm-hmm. that feels like you are going forever to be at the gym doing lunges and squats, trying to get your leg strength back and knee extensions. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I can cut now because your strength has been measured and it looks like it's safe enough for us to start doing it. I, um, also the important thing about that nine months that you mentioned and, and setting that in your mind as an athlete is there is a lot of scientific proof that the longer you wait after nine months, the less risk of re-injury. And you might be able to fill in those gaps of like the stats, but it really is nine months is such a good, um, target day because your graft, your muscles, your mind body connection has started to really reestablish itself. Yeah. There's a paper that says that you should wait two years to go back. And that sounds like a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. I have not seen anyone wait that long. I have seen surgeons keeping people to the one year mark for whatever reason. Um, Sometimes they're even passing the ACL return to sport test that we use. And the surgeon still is like, you know, your surgery was pretty intensive and I want you to just be getting globally stronger for three more months before I'm going to clear you. So I'm, I think that they have, yeah, I think they probably have really good rationale. And then as the PT, I feel a little silly where I'm like, well, you're at nine months and you just met all these criteria. So we're just going to do strengthening. And I want you to do more activities on the field, but not necessarily like offense versus defense, get your reps in with, you know, touches for short kicks, Mm -hmm. long kicks, you know, shots on goal and, you know, being around your sport, but not necessarily competing, which is really hard for most athletes. Yeah. And I, I think again, just realizing that there's so much life ahead of you. It's a hard thing when you're in the moment and you just want to be back to what you're doing. 
But when you think about all the life you have ahead of you and three more months is so little when you're talking about, I wish I could calculate how many more months, like (laughs) living a good long life would be, or living a career in the sport that you love. It's, it's such a small percentage. And I think that perspective change can sometimes allow an athlete to just feel a little bit better about, okay, I'm going to invest in this time, knowing that it's going to help me in the long run or believing that it will help me in the long run. Um, okay. Question number six you had was how heavy can you load me up? Asking your PT that is an important question. Why it is important because you really need to get your strength back to pretty symmetrical to your other leg. And don't forget, you haven't been playing your sport. You haven't been training the way you normally did. So your non-surgical leg probably decreased in strength also over the time of the rehab. So we actually started recently, like you're about to have ACL surgery or you just had it strength testing your non-surgical limb right away Mm. to get an idea of where you were before nine months yeah. in case that happens. So we can kind of be like, Oh, you're actually not back on the non-surgical limb to kind of have a comparison. That's yeah. the best thing to have a comparison. Why haven't we been doing that before? <laughs> um, I mean, maybe some people were, yeah, I'm that's so sure. smart to me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a good idea because it gives us your baseline mm-hmm. for what you were when you injured it, like, yeah, which might still not have been strong enough if if there was no contact, which we know happens a lot of the time. And it was like, you know, yeah. so much of this is out of your control. Yeah. And and that kind of leads into the next question. When you're talking about, you talked about measuring strength and asking the PT, how can you measure my strength or how are you going to measure my strength? Yeah. So let's combine the two. Okay. So looking more a little bit at how can you load me? I think the biggest features that you need to consider are number one, how old are you? And are you allowed to go to the gym by yourself? And are you already somebody who was weight training before this happened? So if you're 13 and you tore your ACL and you've never been in the gym with someone training you how to squat, how to deadlift, how to lunge, you are probably going to need to be able to do this learning in the clinic. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any weights at home, you might need to be doing more PT sessions to get the volume of training in versus 25 year old who has played high school soccer and college soccer and knows how to lift and has a gym membership and can come into the PT clinic every two weeks for rechecks and knows how to progress their loading. Yeah. You don't need to have a clinic necessarily with as much weight available because you already have the access to it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that every clinic has to have everything. Like we don't have a knee extension machine in my clinic. So with young, young kids, I can do it with a TheraBand or with an ankle weight or with the plate pulley setup. But if you're able to knee extend 200 pounds, you need a knee extension machine. So it really depends on mm-hmm. your, your age, your training age. Um, your probably also your own body weight. And we don't really talk a lot about body weight because I don't think it's really that helpful, especially for young women. But if in your head, you know that you weigh 150 pounds, mm-hmm. half of your body weight is 75 pounds. And if you don't have the ability to load over that, your body weight is all, <laughs> all that you're getting, you know, yeah. like it's your body weight plus. 
Yeah. So when you do single leg exercises, so like if you do a lunge with your body weight, it's about 75 pounds. Okay. So if they can only add 20 pounds, cause that's all they have with kettlebells. That's 95 pounds. Like you're not getting your full body weight with your external load on one leg. And that's when we interesting. stand on one foot in a soccer game or, you know, land on one leg or cut change directions on one leg, your whole body weight is on the leg. So it's a little bit of a math game. Yeah. There are a few things that come up with when I'm thinking about this. One is when you're initially going into PT, looking at your allotted insurance visits and making sure that you're being smart with your PT as to how you can time those out to get the most out of what you can or in the early stages of rehab, but also to not leave you stranded in the late, the late stages of rehab. And that that's a really difficult thing because insurances are all different, but I think just even communicating that with your, with your physical therapist and being honest about what you might have access to and what you can, you know, it's hard. You want to go in a lot at the beginning. I at least wanted to, because I just loved like someone massaging my knee and getting like all (laughs) of that junk out of there. But can you do some of that? can you be really diligent about the exercises that you can do in early stages to maybe not use so many visits early on that they might be more available to you later? Is that, is that a good thing? That That's how my brain works. Yeah. It's just so dependent on each patient. True. So like if you don't have full knee extension two weeks out, which you, you should help. have, and you're, but it's two weeks out and you don't have it, then we need to get it back. And yep. I have to prioritize that. But mm-hmm. if you look really great, for sure, I've done the, oh, you know what? You look really good. Let's cancel this one visit so we can save it for later. I like that. Just but, being honest about it and open and yeah. chatting. Okay. So, so even just, um, just knowing what your visits look like and making sure you're, you're talking with your PT about prioritizing those. Yeah. Two, and knowing what the limits you have are, yeah. And knowing what the limits you have. Two, is you might go to a PT who says, you know, I'm, I, that's a great question about weight load and we don't have this. So since I'm a little bit closer to where you live right now, maybe you you come here until we get to that place. And then it might be of your, your interest to go to X clinic or a different clinic to then start that like real loading process. Is that something that, I mean, I know it's not recommended. It's nice to have a PT through the whole process who really knows you, but to, to have an honest conversation and say, Hey, I, I, I need this. Is there anywhere, you know, that has that? Yeah. I think that there's, and again, it probably depends on age and like level of play of like, does your team have a strength and conditioning coach Mm -hmm. who we can collaborate with? And then you don't need visits because their strength coach can understand we need to do single leg loading and and they have access to weights versus do you not really have any of those other like, or an athletic trainer maybe even could potentially help guide some of right. the rehab and have access to. So it really depends on, you know, I think you've talked about on other episodes, probably like the problem with women having access to weight rooms is, is terrible. Like we have a huge problem. And I had a soccer girl this week who was like, I'm not allowed to go to the weight room because football is there training right now. And I was just like, you're recovering from surgery. Give me a phone number of somebody to call and you're going to lift with the football players. Like, yeah, this is crazy that you can't access this when you have to drive so far to come to the clinic. So, um, for sure, there's so many pieces that make this complicated. Yeah. Um, 
we have to go back to quad strength testing. Oh yes. Because it's super, super, super important. (laughs) I don't think I have enough supers for how important quad strength testing is. You said three there. So there's more than three. There's more than three supers. (laughs) So there are gold standards for how to test strength. It's called a biodex machine. It's isokinetic strength testing. And it is a ridiculously expensive machine that most people do not have. Mm -hmm. So I would not ever say you can't do rehab somewhere who doesn't have this machine because it is not common to find them. And the places that have them are hospitals like us and colleges. Yeah. So like, it's possible you could find one in your community if you have a hospital that has it or a college that has it, but otherwise it doesn't exist. And I don't want people to get hung up on that. Just know that we have this one thing that's a standard and then we compare the other options to that. Okay. So the other options include a handheld dynamometer, which is this little tiny thing. It's a force plate that you kick into and it measures how much force you have. Okay. And then there's these other newer models that are coming out that are reasonably priced that PTs are now buying and having independently because their companies don't have that dynamometer choice. And so there's different brands, but they're measuring your force at different speeds or at different angles of motion so that we can really measure your strength side to side. Mm. Because what really happens commonly for every physical therapy patient, not just ACL is you come in and we use our hands to assess your strength. So I would have you kick into my hand and then I would have you kick into my hand from the other leg. And I would say this one's stronger than the other one. Yeah. But I cannot tell you if it's stronger by 20 pounds or by a hundred pounds. I can just tell you that it's strong or it's not as strong and that's it. It's relative, right? It's very relative. And there's some, some reasons why this is really helpful for us to get started with rehab. Like you've just had surgery. You're not going to be able to even lift your leg. So your strength is nothing. I can use my hand to assess that and it's sufficient. But at the late stages, and we start doing it really around four months, and then we do it pretty much every month, the strength testing. Mm -hmm. Some clinics start, I think, a little earlier. It makes me nervous to start earlier. But I just, I mean, we know we have many months to go. So four seems to be working okay for us. And we use, we do quads, hamstrings, and glutes. But um, a lot of the research looks at the quads and looks at um, quad strength for your return to running mm-hmm. where you've got to be at least 70 or 75% symmetrical before we'll let you start running and way higher to start doing more of like jumping and even higher for cutting. Yeah. That's good info and good to know what those things are called in case your PT clinic doesn't have them. And you can say, Hey, can you help me access someone who could help me to get that testing? Right. Yeah. Because uh, some people use functional tests to try to determine it. So like What that would look like is how deep can you do a single leg squat on one leg compared to the other? And you could measure that with a tool that's even cheaper that every PT clinic has. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's terrible early on. Mm -hmm. I I think that that's, and that's all I had in my old clinic. So I measured them doing single leg squats and I also timed how many they could do on one leg, like a sit to stand on one leg to see how many they did side to side. And I was like, these look pretty comparable over 30 seconds. So I'm going to let you run. Yeah. But there was more, I I like taking the guessing out of it as much as possible. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, that goes into your next question. Uh, What tools does the PT clinic have 
to help you progress and give to you during your, your physical therapy? Cause there are a lot of good tools out there right now to, to aid in PT. Yes, there are a lot. So So what are some things that you like people should ask about? Yeah. So I use electric stimulation for quad inhibition, which happens. It's when you have surgery and you have swelling in your knee and it basically kind of shuts down a bit. Um, it's more complicated than just that, but I like electric stimulation for that a lot. And there's good research supporting that along Mm -hmm. with a lot of icing, um, more than you think you need to ice, you should just keep icing. Um, and so a lot of clinics have electric stimulation. In fact, I think a lot of clinics overuse it and I actually only use it for this purpose. So, um, I think it's an easy thing to find access to electric stimulation, Um, I think that some clinics, mine does not include the like compression boot option, like a Norma tech or whatever brand. Um, and I think for compression and swelling, sometimes those are really great if you're having a a challenge with your swelling, but, or like a game ready kind of thing, game ready. Yep. Or like we have the cryo cuff for icing. That's not really as much compression. So Early on, we want the elevation and the compression and icing so that we can get the swelling down. And I think that's important for you to just know that you need to do it, whether or not your clinic can offer it, but electric stimulation probably would be at your clinic. And then as you go later on equipment wise, I think blood flow restriction training is a great option, especially if your clinic doesn't have a lot of weight because Mm -hmm. it helps you achieve the same goals as strength training with lower loads. So, um, that's an option and I don't know that it's like a deal breaker, right? Um, we have it. I don't use it on everyone. I think it really depends, but then the loading of like definitely kettlebells or dumbbells that can get you a little bit heavier, probably a pulley type system for you to do hamstring curler, knee extensions or a knee extension machine, like at a gym, a lot of the gyms would have those. And, um, for sure, I think ideal is a barbell or a, a whatever type of barbell option, like the, the hex bar where mm-hmm. you can do deadlifts with and load yeah. them up. Um, I think in kids, it ne- doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Like I don't have all of my young teen ACL patients using a barbell, but the older teens, I usually start teaching them how to use it in the clinic because I don't have tons and tons of plates, but I have a barbell and I have light plates and I can show them the basics and then get them to going into their weight room with their strength coach or their athletic trainer and try to do it without me. Yeah. So I think having at least those things available is probably yeah. essential. The thing that you just sparked in my mind that I wanted to mention earlier is too, is you were mentioning teaching those techniques and then going to a gym or going somewhere and doing them. The best thing about right now is we all carry a, a camera with us, a video camera yeah. with us wherever we go. Yeah. And so if you're at the gym, like I, I think this is a great way to just say, Hey, I'm doing this. Like how does my technique work? Record a video, send it to your PT. And I think a lot of PTs would love to get that just to see yeah. one that you're doing the work and two that you're curious to know what this process and how it's helping you and what you're doing right and wrong. So you can improve and get better. Right. I absolutely agree. 
Okay. We do it in the clinic for you. So like, you know, like I've yeah. taken people's phone, I, you know, we have a home exercise program system. Most BT clinics do, but if I want you to squat and you're doing like a weight shift away from your surgical leg, which is super common for number one, I'm going to show you in the mirror of like, mm-hmm. do you see this? Can you correct it? Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to video you and show you and probably say something while I'm videoing it give it to you back on your phone and then remind you like, Hey, when you're doing these at home, if you're not doing it in front of a mirror, you have to really think, am yeah. I doing this? Cause we need to get that connection back. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, That's for good. sure. I, I love it when people bring me videos. My favorite is more when they start doing drills at practice and they're like, I don't know if I should have done that. Was it okay? And they, they're like, I did this. Is it okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just be like, that looks great. Keep going. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, uh, okay. So the, the last two questions we have is, uh, asking your PT, will I see more than one provider? And I think this is a good question. I think it is, it really depends on the clinic I would imagine and who's comfortable with it. I know I saw, I went to one clinic. I saw multiple people. I did see one person the majority of the time, but everybody knew me there and they, they knew what I was going through and they kind of all were up to date on what was happening. And so I personally felt comfortable seeing whoever, Yeah, but that might not be the case for everybody. Yeah. I think I, I like this question and I put it on there because again, not a deal breaker, more of like personal preference. So Mm -hmm. I, I personally work with a great team of sports physical therapists I also work with neurological developmental physical therapists where if they had an ACL on their schedule, they would be like, get off, get off, like move over to the other team. Mm -hmm. And we work in the same clinic. So it's interesting to see different things that they do with their patients that we do differently. But, um, one of my coworkers, he himself loves to power lift. And so if I was working with a patient who had an ACL injury, who wanted to get back to that they really need to see him because I don't power lift. Yeah. Um, but for certain things, it doesn't really matter at all other than like we have different approaches. So yeah, I like to use circuits in my rehab of here's three exercises. We're going to repeat three times, but he might do three exercises for the entire 40 minutes and smoke those quads. Mm. And so if you're burned out by the approach over nine months, doing the same thing over and over, having somebody who does it a little differently just might be a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Or even asking, saying, Hey, I'm feeling like, I'm just feeling like I need to mix a a switch up. Is there anybody else I can see for a week or something? Yeah. And it's funny because I saw one that mostly sees him the other day. That's that MPFL that we've talked about. That's kind of similar. And I don't normally see him. And I just said, what don't you want to do today? And he's like, if you make me split squat, I'm going to leave. Like, I just do so many of those at home and so many of them here. And I don't want to do it. And I was like, when's the last time you worked on your balance? And he was like, never. (laughs) So we did a couple balance drills and tried to make it a little bit fun. And we went to strengthening in a different way. And there's just so many different ways you can do it. But I think Mm -hmm. even PTs, we have our favorites. And yeah. we might not remember that we've done the same idea with you over and over. Cause it just, we see so many patients in a day. Yeah. 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 And then the last thing I, that we, that you really pointed out and I think is so good is 
what do you, as a PT, like asking them, like, what do you recommend for me as an athlete going through this, that helps me in the, the grand scheme of things get through this injury? Oh yeah. This is a great question. And I, I honestly wonder what different people, different physical therapists would say in answer to this question. But for me personally, if my athlete said, what's the best thing I can do for my rehab, I would mm-hmm. say, spend time with your teammates, be around your sport, be around whatever your implement is, whether that be a soccer ball or a lacrosse stick or a basketball. I would like my athletes that have this injury to be around their sport the second they're off their crutches. Mm. And I say that because I don't love crutches on wet grass. (laughs) So like if you're a basketball player, there's nothing stopping you from going to practice while you're still on crutches. And I, it's really hard though. It's sometimes it's really sad to watch your team having successes or failures without you and knowing where your piece would have fit in, but it's not there, but you have to find a different place for you to fit in. And it's only better in the long run. If you're with your team, like the number of athletes who haven't wanted to go back to being with their team. And then we hit the time where it's like, we need to get you starting to do drills. They're like way more afraid. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. They haven't been around their teammates for maybe four or six months. And I'm maybe they see them at school or maybe they don't. And I'm just like, I want you to be with your team all the time. I want yeah. you to develop this relationship and be an assistant coach or a manager. Or I mean, yeah. I was the team manager for basketball for like half my career before I was a PT in basketball. So I already have the love for just being on the sidelines, but you can learn so much about your sport. You can learn so much about yourself. And then when I say, Hey, look, now you can start juggling, but you're not allowed to pass the soccer ball yet. Or can you take some headers today? Like you've already been at practice. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say, let's start doing warmups, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do the knee hugs and you're going to do, you know, like your open gates and your closed gates, the things you've done a million times yeah. in soccer that don't require much brain injury and energy. Mm-hmm. You're going to just get in there and do those things. And that's how we start. And we work our way up to, all right, now after practice, you're going to ask your best friend on the team to stand at the 10 yard line. You're at zero and you're passing 10 yards. And that's all you get. You have to stand still. Yeah. No reaching. If they pass it far away, you're just (laughs) passing. Yeah. I think you're right about that, but I also think that everybody is different. And some people it brings, especially at the beginning, it is so difficult to be around it. And they're not even at the beginning, maybe it's four, five months into it. And you are just like, I need a break. It's okay to have a break. It's okay to not be my biggest thing that I tell players. Um, you know, I speak a lot with soccer players and I say, it's important to have a conversation with your team. Yeah. And you, you say, Hey guys, like this is going to be a hard eight months and I'm going to need you guys to be there for me and just support me and know that I want to be a part of everything, but sometimes being a part of anything is going to be really challenging for me mentally. So can you guys reach out? Can you support me when I'm here? Can you help me still feel a part of this when I can't physically contribute. It's because your team wants to help you, but they don't know how everybody is young and they, they don't understand what's going on. And so I think even being able to voice where you're coming from gives your teammates an opportunity to, um, just understand that like, they don't have to know 
but it's okay for you to feel the way that you're feeling. So, um, so I would say that is important, but also as a PT, I think it kind of goes into this as well as a PT saying, um, good conversations and good, having a good relationship with the parents and the coach. And when I tell the athlete they can do 10 minutes of warm up, well, they can do 10 minutes of warm up and to trust and build that trust between not only athlete and yourself as a PT, but also between the athlete, the PT, the coach, and the parents. All that stuff is so important when you're talking about that last little piece of recovery. Well, that's where it's going to end because of some technology issues on my end. But I want to extend my dearest, sincerest thank yous to Abby for helping us work through these 10 questions to ask a PT before you choose them as your physical therapist for this ACL recovery process. The thing that I noticed is it is all dependent on you. So remember that this is your process and to trust yourself and to ask questions and be your best and number one advocate. All in all, there are so many good PTs out there, and it's just nice knowing what questions to ask to help you find someone that is right for you. This is a tough process, and finding someone that works with you and alongside you is important. So keep doing your best. If things don't feel right at the beginning, then you can change. If they don't feel right in the middle of the process, you can change. But find someone who can help you through this journey together. I hope you guys found that this was as insightful as I did. You can go into our the show notes and you can get more information on Abby and what she does at Children's in the Seattle area. And you can connect with us. There will be an opt-in for a document that has these questions that you can bring with you and, and fill in some of the answers so you can weigh what you want from a physical therapist in real time. We love being your resource at the ACL Club for all things involving the mental side of ACL rehab. And this might sound like it's something about physical therapy, but it's really about setting you up so mentally you can be in the right place that you need to be when you're going through such a big process in your life. So if you guys haven't checked out the process, make sure you look at that opt-in to get that information on the 10 questions to ask your PT. And go out there wherever you are today. And as always, show your scars with pride. Thanks for listening, everybody.